Greetings, I'm Laura Puccivaltorta. Welcome to episode 20 of my podcast, B is for Bisexual. This story is called The Christmas Cranks Put on a Play, and we are reading part one today. The Christmas Cranks are a group of five university friends, that is, they work at the university, and they have ideas of their own. These people toot their own horns, and they follow the beats of their own drums. Yay hoo for the cranks! Joining me in the reading are Marco Valtorta, a computer science professor, and Dante Valtorta, hey. our son. I am a content creator, and my films include Bermuda, You Feel Me, and Disability, all on channels such as Amazon Prime and Tubi. A shout out to listeners in New Zealand, South Carolina, California, Texas, and Canada. And now, The Christmas Cranks Put on a Play, Part 1. The Christmas Cranks were Arturo, Reddy Reed, Brenda, Oleander, and Carmen, a bunch of friends who ridiculed everything. Christmas was the main focus of their sarcasm, but there were twists. Every Christmas, the members purchased new Yuletide ornaments, the gaudier the better. It was a rule. Arturo was rolling his wheelchair out of the computer science department's main office when he saw Oleander. The big O, an English professor, was wearing a purple shirt and a white bow tie. Hey, Poof Daddy, Brenda's play is opening at the University Theater tonight. What time are you picking me up? Oleander snapped around. My name is not Poof Daddy, and I don't have a ticket. Oh, Brenda reserves seats for all of us in the third room. If we don't show up, she's gonna kill us. I'm not scared of Brenda. It's an anti-Catholic play. We must see it. But I am a Catholic. I attend Mass at St. Martin de Poray every Sunday. Sing in the choir. Party at Carmen's afterwards. Summer meeting at, of the Cranks. We get to criticize the play directly to Brenda's face. Free speech, baby. You can say whatever you want. Arturo knew that Oleander could not resist a social gathering or free speech. Oleander's eyes narrowed. Pick you up at seven. Try to get your wife to come along. She dresses better than this. That's because she's nothing but the credit card whore. The university theater was half full at the beginning. Brenda's play, The Heretic, lasted for two and a half hours, all of it gory and philosophical. By the end, there were ten people left in the audience, Four of them were the Christmas cranks, plus Arturo's wife, Lydia. Reddy Reed, another crank, played the lead character, Giordano Bruno. He walked down on stage with Brenda, the writer-director, to take a bow. Arturo clapped and clapped. He didn't want to leave the theater. Best fucking play I've ever seen, he shouted. Fire and sword fighting and a crazy poop. And at the end, the hero gets burned at the stake. Attacks religion at every turn. Fucking A. Arturo wanted to stand up as well as cheer, but he was in the damned wheelchair, stuck on his ass. We need to, we need to leave now, said Lydia. You shut up, he said. 
Arturo's wife took care of him, loved him, and he resented her for being so solicitous. She's right, said Oleander. It's 11 p.m. and we have to get to Carmen's house for discussion. Oleander quickly pushed Arturo and his wheelchair out of the theater. Once upon a time, Arturo, as chair of the university faculty senate, had caused Oleander to be hired as part of a big diversity push on campus. Oleander did not seem to care about the help and often stated the university was lucky to have him. Later, Oleander had saved Arturo's job by threatening the university president with a differently abled and queer scandal. And Arturo was supposed to be grateful for that. He wasn't. Nobody knew robotics better than Arturo. Sometimes he wished Oleander would wither up and die. Oleander wore size 13 loafers with tassels. Arturo's feet were small and useless. Also, Oleander didn't have any children, and Arturo thought his own grandchildren, all six of them, were a menace to society. One of them, Laura, had been expelled and sent before the school board for intimidating people at her middle school. You're a big pussy, said Arturo. With no appreciation for the arts. Man, you're a big pussy. I love art, said Oleander. And I donate $2,000 to the South Carolina Arts Commission every year. Just because you donate money doesn't mean you have any taste. The party at Carmen's was elegant. She had ordered a Subway sandwich tray and made a big bowl of fizzy punch. The guests were the cast of The Heretic, plus the Cranks, and a reporter from the University Bugle. The cast consisted of three persons, Reddy Reed, who played the lead, Giordano Bruno, plus two students who changed costumes to portray every other character. Brenda Lehman, the wiry six-foot-tall reference librarian, playwright, and author of The Heretic, was glowing. I'm very pleased with how it went, she told Neville, the kid reporter. Arturo hovered around listening. Well, I'm glad you liked it because not many people showed up, the, the reporter said. I am ecstatic. Most of them left at intermission. Nonetheless, my friends were there supporting me. Brenda swept her arm toward the Christmas cranks who were slapping together sandwiches at the table. Reddy Reed had stacked a sandwich ten inches high. Young man, interjected Arturo, I am a true connoisseur of the arts, and this play is a masterpiece. Why exactly? Neville, the reporter, seemed to be as clueless as the rest of the audience. Because it is a play that protests against something. It protests against the stupidity of the human race and the inanity of the Catholic Church. And the main character, Giordano Bruno, was a lot like me. Neville's eyes widened. You may have noticed that Giordano Bruno was a particularly intelligent man. If by intelligent man, you mean he acted like a psychotic narcissist. Neville was recording and taking notes. That too. But he saw the truth about the universe, the truth about the atom. He was even smarter than Galileo. At least Galileo managed to stay alive. Young man, not everything is about staying alive. Not by a long shot. After Neville left, the Christmas crank sat down in Carmen's living room for their own private discussion about the play. 
Brenda told the two students who played the 11 other characters to run home and rest up for next week's performance. Oh, the life of a director, she sighed. The Cranks all agreed that the play was inspiring. Oh my goodness, this weather is so gross. How can we handle this heat? Said Reddy. My clothes are all sweaty. Feels fine to me, said Oleander. I have a pool, said Carmen, who had family money. We could jump in. I'm still wearing makeup, said Reddy. Me Me too, too, said Oleander and Arturo at the same time. Carmen looked at Arturo and shook her head. Brenda slapped the arm of the sofa. I've got it. Let's go to the beach. Brenda had a second row house with three bedrooms. Love that idea, said Carmen. Uh, Do they have a Walmart in Beaufort? Said Oleander. Why? Reddy, a professor of drama, sounded tired. Uh, Ornaments on sale. A loud murmuring of... Yeah, yeah, big big reindeer. reindeer. I need lights. I need lights. Ran through the cranks. I can't go. I'm, I'm pulling a double shift at the library, said Lydia loudly. Arturo smiled. The drive from Columbia to Beaufort was uneventful until the end. Oleander agreed to drive Arturo because Carmen and Reddy lived next to each other and were taking Carmen's car. It was a Monday morning and the highways were empty except for an occasional 18-wheeler. When Arturo and Oleander arrived at the Walmart on Highway 21 near the tomato packing plant, Oleander turned into the driveway. What are you doing? We agreed to stop here, said Oleander. I didn't agree to do anything. Let's just go in, said Oleander. We don't need the others. He unfolded Arturo's wheelchair and pointed to it. All right, get in. You're making me do all the work. They struggled slowly toward the entrance. An older veteran with one arm greeted them at the front door. Thank you for your service, said Oleander. Yes, ma'am, smirked the veteran. You big twat, shouted Arturo, cursing the veteran with a two-finger curse. Oleander turned the wheelchair and quickly proceeded to the garden section of Walmart, which was off to the side of the main building and smelled of chemicals. There were leftover flags, bird feeders, and barbecue grills in the aisles, but no sign of Christmas ornaments. Arturo wheeled over to one of the Walmart employees, a skinny young kid with flat mushroom hair and a pimply face, examining his phone. Hey you, we need white and purple lights. Huh? Get off that phone. We need two six-foot strings of purple and an eight-foot string of the white ones. Opaque, constant illumination, no off-and-on kind of stuff. Uh, for Halloween? No, dummy. For Christmas. Oleander stared at the ceiling, smiling and crossing his arms. Uh, Those are all put away, man. They're in the back. Well, go get them. Call your manager or something. I am the manager. Artura and Oleander nodded their heads knowingly. Find those lights and they better be on sale. This is not the Christmas season. The skinny kid pocketed his phone. He walked away slowly. Oleander selected some pruning shears in a fancy birdhouse. Arturo turned off the power in his chair and practiced muscling up and down the aisles. Ten minutes later, 
The kid was back with the lights. Oh, these are perfect, man. Said Oleander. They better be. Said Arturo. We had to wait so long. The skinny kid rang them up, and Arturo pulled out his debit card. I want a 25% discount on the lights. But... Use your manager's card. Oleander and Arturo walked away smiling, taking the garden store exit in order to avoid the scary guy with one arm. I gotta say, that was fun, said Oleander. I'm a fun guy, said Arturo, as if stating the obvious. They drove in silence toward Brenda's beach house. Okay, we're going to stop here. That was part one. Join us, dear listener, next week for part two.